designed your life to where you love it, you never need to escape it. This is the life philosophy of Alex Shackney, my guest today. So Alex is a former college basketball player and a second time founder. But Alex didn't always have a clear idea of what path he wanted to take in his life. So when Alex was just going to college, uh, he went on a quest to interview incredibly successful people. And he hustled, cold emailed many of them. And after hearing each person's life and career story, this gave him a chance to see which paths truly resonated with him. Uh, and it was these conversations that changed what Alex thought was possible for his future. So from that, and a lot of personal growth work, Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, a lot of his mentors, Alex now claims that his life's path is to help other people find their path. In other words, to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. This led Alex to build Pats. You can check it out at pats.audio. I'll include a link in the show notes. And Pats is a social network for students to explore life and career paths and get advice or mentorship through short audio clips. So Alex is a solo founder and is currently a one-man army where he's literally built everything on his own from coding to teaching himself design and even doing marketing. It's pretty impressive. Um, but this is an interesting story because Alex is still very early um, in his journey. Like he hasn't raised a huge sum of money yet, like many of my previous guests have, uh, and is still figuring out a lot of things, which is honestly just just like me where I'm currently at. So take that uh, perspective um, for this conversation and we'll run with it. So you're listening to the Inventing the Future podcast with your host, Julian. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Mindflow, which is a personal growth-focused social app. If you're a growth-driven person, check out the Mindflow app on the App Store to embark on growth journeys that are meaningful to you and to be able to grow alongside your friends. This is an authentic, raw, and vulnerable social media and not a toxic one. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into the conversation with Alex. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Inventing the Future podcast. I have an awesome guest with me here today, Alex. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Absolutely. It's going to be awesome. Alex is also a fellow uh, Founders Inc., F.Inc. Uh, member. We're here in this awesome space. You can see people in the back uh, here grinding as they always do. I'm sure Alex was probably coding or doing some shit <laughs> before this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but cool, Alex. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive into your, your current startup paths and, and things, uh, in a bit, but I'm curious just to start off with the origin and what you would say was like your early upbringing and early influences that kind of led you down this path, uh, to become a founder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think it all started really with basketball. That was kind of the founding mm -hmm. I'd say that set the whole foundation for um, my mental model, my uh, the way I, I kind of approach life, like the belief I have in myself. Um, it was almost like I, I say basketball is kind of like a, a training ground for learning like what the truth was uh, mm -hmm. for me because it was this 
you know, really long quest. I mean, I started playing basketball when I was like three years old. And so, so origin story, I guess, goes all the way back. I was inspired by like, like Mike, you know. Hmm. So uh, I think I remember watching Like Mike or Space Jam, one of those movies, mm -hmm. and, and I and I just like, yeah, it's something drew me to it, you know. Like Michael Jordan's my favorite player growing up. Uh, I would wear like you know NBA jerseys to school all the time. Um, I was always playing basketball. I met a really influential coach when I was in fifth grade. And, um, and that was with my kind of local team and his name was Kareem. And, uh, he, he really kind of, uh, impressed upon me, like how much of the game is mental. And, mm. uh, and I remember he kind of had these, uh, mantras, these things he would say all the time about like, you know, how to basically going into a game is kind of like going to war and, um, and, you know, he would just teach us all these life lessons. And I actually wow. ended up training with him every summer, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, and, you know, he would give me like these books on mindset. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, and he gave me this, this book on Michael Jordan. Hmm. Uh, I think it was just called Jordan. It was like an autobiography. And I think I really just like embraced this, this mind, this Mamba mentality. Hmm. Kobe, Kobe Bryant was also like one of my biggest inspirations growing up. Crazy story. I, I met Kobe when I was five. Whoa. And uh, yeah, and uh, that kind of like, so Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and this coach Kareem, and then my, my next basketball coach, Mergen Cena, who I played for in uh, high school, they really set the whole foundation for, yeah, for I think this founder journey now. Um, yeah. Interesting. And what would you say was like, what was it that basketball gave you uh, or, or taught you that led you in, in this direction later to yeah, become a founder? Absolutely. So, again, I think so the most pivotal moment I can remember actually is when I started. So, my progression was like I was like the best kid in my, in my town or one of the best kids in my town. Uh, and so, then I go and I, and I play on a team where – now it's just not my town, it's the whole state, right? And it's like mm -hmm. the best kids in the state. And I didn't play, I, I want to say I didn't play one minute on this team. Wow. I, like I said, I mean, we had two NBA, now players who are in, in the NBA, uh, eight, at least eight Division One guys. Um, but I went from like being the man to literally not playing at all. Hmm. And I remember um, I went on, you know, I flew to Georgia for a tournament one, one time. And I was... I was also 11. Now you got, so let me set the stage, right? I'm 11 years old. I'm like 5'2". There's players on my team who are 11 and 6'6". Six six, okay? There's <laughs> the two hacks. players. Exactly, yeah. And, um, and yeah, I went to Georgia, and uh, I remember I didn't play. I basically played, like, garbage minutes. So in basketball, like, you, you, if you get in at, like, you know – there's like 30 seconds left in this in the in the second quarter and that's mm -hmm. when the coach that's the first time you get in the game like you just you, know, you almost rather not play at all because at that point it's just like you're getting thrown in and, and like um and at this point you know I traveled all the way to Georgia it was like my whole identity and I basically sat the bench for the whole tournament and uh and I remember coming back to my dad and saying look I want to quit <laughs> like I don't want to wow. like basically I want to go back to my team and my dad was just like uh no you you made a commitment you got to you got to finish it out. So hmm. I, I stayed on with this team and this was like in March. So I joined this team in January and, uh, and then in March, um, you know, this happened. And, and so then for another three, four months, I basically, I stayed on this team and I just had to show up every day and, uh, and try to battle my way into some, you know, 
basically playing time. And um, what'd you do? Did you just train like really freaking hard? Yeah, until- I mean, but here's the thing, right? Yeah, I did. I trained. I mean, then it became like, okay, I have to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Um, and it, it, it started to teach me, I think, lessons in commitment, sacrifice. But really, I don't think the lesson hit me till later because I finished out that, that team, right? And then once I kind of fulfilled the commitment I had to them, I, I found another coach, which hmm. was, ended up being my high school coach, and I got a lot better. And, I, and I, like I said, I trained with uh, my, my coach Kareem you know, every, every day in the summer, we would meet literally every day at like 10 a.m. We'd go from like 10 a.m. for like two hours. And then sometimes we'd go like two times a day. And uh, this was when I was like 11, 12. And then I'd go to the pool and then I'd like mm-hmm. bike back and like, you know, I'd go hang out with my friends a little bit to come back and then train again. And um, yeah, and then that I just, I got a lot better and I grew. And, and then I remember like a year later, I was playing against the team that I had left mm-hmm. that I didn't play it at all on. And I was now starting point guard against Ooh. them. And, uh, yeah, I remember we we went down to the wire with them. And I was, like, basically I was really competing. You know, I was, like, I went from not, yeah, being not in the game to I felt like I was kind of on their level. And so looking back on that, it really showed me, like, y- you know, uh, like basketball was just this this constant, like, up and down, like, journey uh, and it really was me against me because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, that's how I started to see it was, it's like, I was the only one in, in my way. And so it, yeah, the, the, basically if I overcame myself and my doubts and, um, you know, I really struggled with confidence, like, cause some games I'd be like up here and some days down there. So yeah, that's a long way of saying it kind of forced me to go through this constant struggle of like okay, I want to be one of the best, but also, you know, you look at me genetically, I'm 5'9", <laughs> on a good, you know, 5'9", <laughs> on, uh, a good day. on a good day, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, probably not your typical archetype of a basketball player, so yeah, that's kind of, that set the foundation, I can tell you, I mean, literally going through these cycles of like, I felt like I had a breakthrough, and then I'm back, and I'm on a, I level up, but now I'm like, I, I gotta get better again, you know, so going through these cycles mm. of like, um, you know, I, I'm the best in my town. Then I go to the, the, the statewide and oh, I'm not that great. Right. So mm. I got to break through that level. Okay. Now I'm like c- competitive. One of the best in the state. Like yeah, what does it take to be one of the best in the country? Like, and keep going, you know, through mm. those levels of like, what does that take? Um, it really, yeah. I mean like eight years of that, 10 years of that. Well, mm. it, it set like a crazy foundation. What gives you the courage to keep pushing forward when you want to give up? Yeah. Um, especially because I've noticed like you're you're someone that has a lot of determination right like yeah. in your startup right now you're kind of like doing everything you're a one-man army you're designing you're coding you're trying to market yeah uh, it's impressive uh, but like wh- where does that determination come from like yeah why I think um, I, again I think it's like the foundation of when I saw what the people who succeeded in basketball, like Mike, that was my context growing up, right? Like who were the people that were succeeding in that? And they had a certain mindset. And that mindset was like at, at all, like basically at all costs, right? I'm going to either do this thing or I'm going to (laughs) die trying, right? Like, Will, I think Will Smith has that, like, I'm going to die on this treadmill like that. Mm -hmm. And I just, 
I, I, ado- I adopted that mindset. I, I was like, you know, I, and I, so the, the story I met Kobe, you know, when I was, when I was five, I was at uh, Disneyland and <laughs> it was like Christmas. And, uh, and I remember uh, someone yells like, you know, oh my God, Kobe's over there. And I, I had five years old, but I love basketball, right? So I sprint over, I'm like looking around frantically, just see this massive guy. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't even say anything. I just like stood there and I was like, oh my God, that's Kobe. And uh, the next day the Lakers played and my, my dad was pointing out Kobe Bryant. And I think, honestly, like, I mean, I just adopted, then I watched, like, Kobe Bryant had a documentary called um, uh, Kobe Doing Work. Mm-hmm. And it was a <laughs> Spike Lee documentary, and it sh- it, sh- it was Kobe in a game just talking about his mindset. And mm-hmm. it, this was, like, Kobe 2008, right? And I think, it, I think that really set up the foundation of, like, I was, when I was a young kid, so a, f- a few things, like, a few core things happened, right? Like, First is my parents got divorced when I was like eight or nine. Hmm. And um, and I was before that, like in third grade, I was like a menace. I was like a daredevil menace. Um, yeah, I, I, I was out of, I was out of control. Like, you know, my friends' parents, I think, would would ban me from coming to their houses, you know. <laughs> and I went through like a period of massive transformation uh, between, you know, fourth and fourth and fifth or fourth and sixth grade. And a big part of it was like, um, I think I just like Kobe became my hero. I got a fat head of him on my wall. Like my whole growing up, my room was decorated like hmm. all Kobe Bryant um, stuff memorabilia, and uh, and this was his peak, right? So I remember the Lakers. Um, you know, the first they lost to the the Celtics in '08. They came back. They won in '09. And Kobe, in between, then you know, he there's actually a documentary coming out on the Redeem team, but it was the second coming of the 1992 dream team and Kobe mm. was the leader and Michael Jordan was the leader of the 92 team. So Kobe to me, he was just had this like gravitas, this, this greatness about him that I just like adopted that, that mindset. What is that mindset? How would you articulate it? It's the mom, like Mamba men- mentality or Mamba mindset is, uh, it's like going, like I said, it's either like you're gonna win or you're gonna die. <laughs> that's it. That's There's kind no of the simple. It's binary. Yeah, it's bi- exactly. It's binary. It's like I said I'm gonna do this. Like I'm doing it, hmm. or I'm dying. <laughs> like that is, those are the two options. <laughs> like, and I'm okay with the trade. Like that's it. That's kind of it. And um, and he would always. I mean, there's cr- crazy Kobe stories, but he would always go like the extra mile. He oh. would literally like, you know. In in a NBA game, you know, there's stories where he would research the guy who's guarding him all the way back to like high school. He would bring up like one of the guys like high school ex girlfriends' names. He would just say it. He'd be like <laughs> Miranda, and then he'd get a bucket, right? No <laughs> he'd like go get way. a bucket, yeah. And then and Mind the guy fucking them, and yeah, and and the guy guarding would be like, "What is he talking about?" Like, and then eventually it's like, "Oh my god!" Like he's gone to that length, that extent. So wow. it's really what the Mamba mentality is is about. I think it sacrifice for what you want and it means that if you say you want something like you you're making a trade like there's Mm -hmm. a trade-off and and it's explicitly like i'm giving up all this other stuff like kobe wasn't a good for a long time he wasn't a good uh friend you know he said this like i can't be a good friend because i gotta go yeah i'm waking up at 4 a.m to do my you know my first workout then i got another workout at eight AM, then I get lift in, then I, like, he's doing four a day workouts. Hmm. He can't be, he doesn't have time, you know? 
like, but that's, and so, um, I just felt like I adopted that, like, yeah, I need, it, that's what it requires. If that's what it requires, like, that's what I got to do. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I think that part, part of it was my coaches too. Like, like I said, that I had this coach Kareem and I, I had this other coach, um, yeah, Mergencina. And it was like, look, do you want to be great? Because I think that's what it requires. I, I, and I also had this like obsessive personality, I think from when I was young of like, I just got like, like if I pick something, I just like went. You'd full send it. Yeah, I'd full send it. It's like, there's no like middle ground. It's like, I'm either doing this thing or I'm not doing this thing. But if I say I'm going to do it, like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, and so it's a mix of, I think like obsessive personality, perse- like extreme like commitment, perseverance, um, and, and then seeing it work once, you yeah. know, like, because the, to see it the first time it works, right. Where it's like, okay, I, this coach told me like, or Kobe, I adopted this mindset and like, I, I put in the work and I kept putting it in and eventually it paid off and that's like, oh, cool. Okay. Hmm. So like, let me up the ante, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do this again, you know? And, and it's like startups now are really testing that because it's like, how long can you go delaying the gratification? Mm. How long can you wait before oh, yeah. the actual reward comes? And at this point, like I've been in doing startups f- since, you know, for like four and a half years. Like seriously, I mean, I've been serious about it with this type of mindset. And, um, and still like, mm. it's like testing me, right? Like it's like, how <laughs> long, how long can I go? But I still have this like unwavering faith that like it will in the end, the the results will come so it's like also about falling in love with the process i think that's huge yeah yeah no doubt i mean you have to be to some degree irrationally optimistic yeah but at the same time uh, sorry irrationally yeah optimistic but also very realistic about what the risks are what needs what's not going well so it's a very tricky balance to get right yeah but um but it's very important uh to do so but yeah, I'm cu- I'm curious then, like, uh, what what was uh, the transition like from basketball and then entrepreneurship? Yeah, like, I know you yeah, like yeah, yeah. got into computer science. You had some early mentors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, one one thing I'd like to hear too is, uh, I know you graduated from college. Sorry, from high school, and then you're like, shit. Like, what am I gonna do with my career? So you went and sought out like different people to speak, learn yeah. about their careers. Uh, speak speak about that a little bit. How you sought those people uh, out, yeah. how you got access to them, what you learned from them, and how they led you down computer science uh, and being a founder. Yeah, right. So it all started with this. I had a recognition early on about what you're talking about uh, in terms of motivation and how that was really the because I was like, okay, there's kind of this template that I've seen work. Right, I do the like. The Kobe mindset or like, I do, you know, I basically say I'm going to do this thing. I sacrifice a bunch of stuff and then eventually with enough time, it comes. So mm-hmm. then I had read like Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers and, you oh, know, yeah. Peak by Anders Ericsson and like all these books about what does success take and how do you achieve peak performance and all that stuff. And to me, there was a clear formula. It was like mm, deliberate practice. So like I'm constantly seeking to get better. I'm surrounding myself with better people. Um, I'm going into, you know, like, eventually I think you get to a point where you're just humbled by the reality of a situation and you mm. say, you know what? I don't have the answers. Like, I got to go find some people who are actually winning and model them or, like, get in the room with them, uh, learn from them, you know, 
figure out a way for them to invest in me and, and, and try to like get me to level up. Yeah. And so it's deliberate practice and then it's just time it's and perseverance. Right. And so but I thought, okay, well the, the limiting, if this is like a formula, I feel like it's kind of tried and true. Like what's the limiting thing there? And to me, it was always the motivation. Hmm. It was, it was, can you basically control your emotions, master your emotions to where like when you're feeling, you know, the, the weight of, oh my God, it's been a three months, six months, a year, I'm not seeing the results. Hmm. How can you keep going? Right. And to me, that was like the, the most interesting thing. Um, and so I did like a, I, I remember I did like a TEDx thing in this, on this in high school and, and I got really like interested in, in all this stuff. And, and I felt like what I, th- what I found was that ultimately the best way to keep going is to surround yourself with people that make you keep going, you know, mm-hmm. like mentors, uh, but, and peer group, you know, like mentors and peer group, because that's all, honestly when I, when I, yeah, like, you know, when I had these setbacks, if it wasn't for these people who believed in me, I, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, I, maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have gone, especially before I had any results. Like once I've seen it once, twice, like now I actually like it when people don't believe in me. It's like kind of fuels the fire. Then <laughs> You've trained that muscle. I've, I've turned into like the Kobe, Kobe did the same thing, right? He almost like sees it. He likes being the villain, you know, like, yeah. and, um, because I've had it happen to me so many times before. I'm like, all right, what like, it honestly doesn't matter what I think or what you think. It's just like, if I keep going for a long, like I, like I said, there's this template I just like do it. Hmm. Then eventually I'll break through and, 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 and have that. So, um, I had this whole foundation around peak performance and hmm. that's what kind of led into the interviews. And, and like, actually that's what I, initially I, the peak performance thing, uh, I found Tony Robbins. From, yes. Yeah. Yeah, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I remember stumbling on YouTube um, for like visualization stuff. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, because like that's what I was exploring in terms of like getting a level up in basketball. And I found uh, Tony Robbins talking about like the cycle of um, getting certainty in something. And like, you know, basically... So there's this really interesting study, okay? And it's like they took three groups of basketball players, and it was like one group um, shot free throws every day. Like one group, Mm. uh, I think you've probably heard this, right? Yes. So free throws every day, one group, like 100 free throws a day. One group didn't shoot at all, but they just visualized, you Mm -hmm. know, shooting. And then one group that shot like 50 and like visualized 50. And uh, the group that obviously shot the best is the middle group. But the reason is because... They were the able middle group being the ones that fully visualized it. No, no, th- I think this is the oh, group. the 50 yeah, 50 50, right? Because okay. they would do it, but then they would go back and like envision their mind, okay, like what basically, like what does a perfect shot look like hmm. over and over and over and over and over? And then they got to practice, yeah, it. exactly, exactly. And they and they got enough certainty, but then they got to practice it right as hmm. well. So, and um, and so I stumbled across this really interesting concept that uh was in this Tony Robbins video of the cycle of belief mm. and like how you get belief in something. And it goes, you know, like, um, you know, like, so if I believe a ton that something's going to happen, then mm. I'm going to take like massive action. Right. Mm. And then if I take massive action, then I'm going to get good results, you know, like, a- after enough time. 
And those results are going to feed into my initial belief. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, of course I got good results. And I'm going to believe more that if I take more action, I'm going to get good results. And then I take, and it's a positive cycle, right? It's like a self-fulfilling process. Self, exactly. Versus the opposite, which is, uh, oh, man, I don't think this is ever going to work. And so you don't do much. You take like tiny bits of action and you don't get any results. And then it's, it feeds back in and you say, see, I told you it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. I think the problem is most people feel like they need to do something before they can believe they're capable of yeah, doing it yeah. rather than starting with the belief right. and the identity. Like I am the type of person exactly. that's capable of doing this yep. and then reinforcing that new made up identity with the actions that actually exactly, support that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you got to reverse it. Yep. And that's, and so I think it's a long way of getting back to the initial question. I think I was really lucky when I was young to have people that instilled that belief before there was actual results. Hmm. And then once I started getting results, then it became an identity. And now that's, that's why, I, honestly, what I, why I keep going now is because am I who I believe I am? You yeah. know, like, and yeah, I think I am. So I have to show up every day and do it. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, so that's why I have to keep going because it's like, and then, I, and then I look back at my past and it reinforces it. So I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, so, so you know, when I get down sometimes, all I need is like a break. And then I go and, and I look back at like everything in my life that I've done that has taken the same sort cycle approach. And then it reinstills the faith of like, okay, you know, just I just need more patience. This is just a bigger mountain I'm climbing right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's powerful because you get to tap into your history of achievements and the things you've overcome. And that yeah. obviously, uh, it's easy. It's also good to reflect on those things because it's easy to forget yeah. Just like how hard of a situation you dealt with in right. the past and wh and how that can instill the confidence you need to overcome your current present challenges. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. So so then um, talk to me about uh, Pat's like you were you studied computer science, you did freelance for for a bit. And then so like what what was it that sparked this moment, this epiphany of like whoa, I need to go start this company and like build this. Like what did you yeah. discover? What problem and how did it lead you down this route? Yeah. So, um, so just going back to basically, okay, I felt like after 10 years of basketball, I had like figured out that, that truth, which was how do you, how do you basically control your, your emotions and your belief to achieve like anything. I was like, that's what I learned from basketball. It's like, I set this foundation where I, I believe I can go do anything now. Hmm. Yeah. And, and it was just through these endless, like, I mean, I, I probably went through literally 10 of these cycles of, oh, I don't think I can do this. And then breakthrough. And then like, I don't think I can do this breakthrough. And then, and then I like reflected heavily on it, did a whole like, you know, TEDx thing about it. Hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, when I, when I committed to, play basketball at Johns Hopkins, which I can talk to you about. My, my whole recruiting process was like, again, one of these like <laughs> up and down things. And, um, and yeah, but then once I had committed, um, I found myself with some time and naturally I've always been super curious. I've done like music my whole life. Um, uh, always been like just reflective and, and I always thought, Oh, you know, like when I grow up, my potential paths, okay, maybe the NBA, but the genetics weren't there for me. <laughs> um, 
but entrepreneurship always sparked my interest. Um, you know, I don't know if you did this early in your in your like schooling, but we had like a Shark Tank mock thing in like eighth grade, and <laughs> that's cool. And I loved it. And it was I was like, okay, you know, like Shark Tank's really cool. Watch the Social Network movie. You know, like every every entrepreneur. And um, so when I had this time after my uh, basketball season ended, my senior year, I literally the next week, I was like, okay, what's the next what's the next challenge? Because I have like seven months before I have to start. It was this March of t- uh, 2018. I have seven months before I have to start mm. school and like do the basketball thing again. And I was like, what's the what's the next hill I want to apply this template to but hold on you could have like just been like okay i have a summer before this starts i can finally like chill yeah like have a fun summer whatever why were you like screw screw the fun i want to like go climb a freaking mountain (laughs) uh because it was so fun to break through it Hmm. was like the best thing ever i was like oh my god like to shatter what i thought was possible like to transform myself Hmm. that was the ultimate like hero's journey like yeah. i loved that i was like, like addicted to i was the like growth. got addicted to that like, exactly to the growth exactly so mm-hmm. i was like i want to do this with everything like i don't want to just do this with basketball like i want to do this in music i want to do this in entrepreneurship and so um yeah so i actually started with music and i co- started cold email because i again i think i found like tim ferris or, or tony mm-hmm. robbins and and I, I so i started listening from the tony robbins like visualizing uh, visualization stuff, right? Like, it wasn't far to get to a Tim Ferriss podcast episode and start <laughs> yeah. exploring, like, you know. That's funny. I went from Tim Ferriss to Tony Robbins. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Pretty right? close. It's, a, it's all, they're all in the same uh, echo chamber. So, yeah, anyway, I, I, I started hearing these stories and I was like, oh, man, like, and then, like, the Tim Ferriss cold emailing stuff. And so I remember uh, I had, okay, this is, like, another foundational story. It's called the Pandora moment. Whoa. Yeah, the Pandora I like the moment. title. Exactly. <laughs> so here's what happened is I was, the next mountain I was climbing was like partially music. And I had just come mm-hmm. off doing a, a year-long independent study in music theory. And I was writing some songs in it. And, uh, and I always I sang my whole life. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like, uh, I want to take the next step here. I want to uh, do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I was getting kind of stuck in the songwriting process. So I thought, oh man, like um, how... Like Pandora, I don't know if you know, they have this thing called the music genome. It's how they rank songs. It's how they uh, suggest stuff in their algorithm. They don't Mm. actually have like a, you know, Spotify has like a collaborative filtering like algorithm, right? Like to discover weekly, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Pandora, the way that they did it was they hired like 400 trained music theory analysts. (laughs) And they would literally listen to a song. Like they would have these analysts like listen to songs and break them down into like their subatomic parts so they'd have like 400 different met like like metrics parts that compose a song oh. and we're talking like tempo um you know pitch uh you know, all these different factors and then they would basically say okay well like you like this song which has all these you know metrics then you'll probably like this song which has like very similar yeah. <laughs> oh my god that's how they do it. 400 metrics for a song yeah it's like i nuts. mean Crazy, right? Like that's and uh, so I don't, I don't think they I don't know if they can they kept it up. Like I don't know if they can keep doing. It. But long story short, I found this out and I was like, boom, I've got it. I'm gonna do. I'm basically gonna, you know, take a deconstructed song of an artist I love hmm. and use it to help me reconstruct my <laughs> sound. <laughs> so I emailed like Tim Westergen, the CEO of Pandora, uh, and basically everyone in the C suite. 
And then I emailed like a bunch of music analysts <laughs> and I was just like, Hey, I'm a high school student. Like I'm super interested in the Pandora music genome project. Um, I would love to get the genome for like these certain songs that I was trying to model after. And so a week goes by, no answer. Two weeks go by, no answer. Like two and a half weeks go by. And, uh, and I get a response, not from anyone major, honestly. I just, I got a response from like one of their senior music analysts hmm. who I had found his email on like a blog from like 2011. <laughs> and he said like, hey, Alex, like, this is super cool. Uh, basically, we, I can't give you, can't give this to you outright, but like, I'm happy to like jump on a call and like talk to you. And, um, and his response, even just the fact that he responded to me was like, oh, wow. Like, it worked. It did like that. It worked. Like I wasn't actually looking for the information. I was just looking to see if like a random cold email would actually get me in touch with someone. Yeah. And it did. And so after that, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, it was like, that was the initial cycle of like, you know, take action belief or, or get, get results, feed the belief. So now the belief was like heavy. And it was like, if someone didn't answer, I was like, Oh, you know, they probably just have a lot going on. Yeah. You know, like maybe I'll send him a follow up. Hey, you know, just checking back in. But I was never took it personally. I never was like, oh my God, like I sent this email and no one responded. It was more like I would send like, you know, I don't know, 20 emails and one person answered. I was like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> it's working. You it's know? a numbers game. Exactly. It's a numbers game. So anyway, uh, simultaneously with music, here's the, the problem is then I, then the belief became so inflated. Like I could do anything. I tried to do so many things at once. So I was like, I want to take the next step in music. I want to take the next step in basketball. I want to take the next step in entrepreneurship. Hmm. And the reality is you can't, you, you can do, I think you, I believe you can do anything, but you can't do everything, especially not at one time. Hmm. So, uh, what happened was I then was like, all right, I'm going to do the copy paste entrepreneurship. So, um, I had started like dabbling with uh, an idea with my two smartest friends and we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, I was trying to learn to code. Um, I remember watching like tutorials and just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. I, then I, and then I joined a startup, uh, uh, like an AI startup. I had no idea how to code. Somehow I like kind of got my way into an AI <laughs> startup and I was like running there. I like on my local MacBook Air, I was like running their code and, and it was like someone was like, yeah, it, it, guiding me through the whole script so I could actually run it. I was like, what's going on? So <laughs> I had now this like pursuit of music. I still had basketball. I just was kind of like, that's on the back burner so I can go explore other stuff right now. And uh, I had this urge to go into entrepreneurship and I joined a startup and, uh, and I was doing my own thing. And so I was like, all right, I got to get around, you know, I basically had to speed up this process. And luckily my school had this program uh, at the end of the year where I got to shadow an alumni who was mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And so I did. And he, he was like, what do you want to do these next two weeks? And, uh, and he was part of this group entrepreneurs organization. And Yo. because I had like all this, you know, preparation context with like what Tim Ferriss does and, and my own kind of journey of like deconstructing people in basketball, I was like, I want, let's just basically like, I want to interview them. And I, I came, I came with this list of like 26 questions and that's what we did. And, and after two interviews, I was like, this is amazing. Like I love doing this. And, uh, I ended up doing 30 interviews that summer. Wow. Um, all cold emails like that. No. So, so what, here's, here's the secret, right? Like 
you need like one of these cold emails to work and then you need to actually have a good exchange mm-hmm. and then you need to leverage warm in- intros ah, because yes. that's, that's like ultimately the success rate with warm intros is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you can get in the door with the cold email. And so it wasn't ju- like, you know, I say it was like cold emails. It was cold emails in some cases. That was a starting point. It was a starting point. But then it was like leveraging, you know, like I would always ask at the end of a, a meeting, like, who are two people you think I, I should talk to next? Hmm. And then I would get intros. And cool. then I would go talk to them, you know. And then I started having some like really just crazy luck. Like one time um, I was shadowing a, an entrepreneur uh, and we were on the train. We were NJ Transit from New Jersey to... New York Mm. and we were talking and it was like early six in the morning and this woman behind us overhears our conversation and uh the guy he's he's like oh I gotta get in touch with this VC firm and she's like oh did you mention this firm I actually work there like like I'm happy like let's talk right now so then she comes and like sits in the booth with us we're like talking the whole train ride and at the end she goes oh well like what are you doing here to me and I was like oh I'm in high school I'm just like tagging along here for the ride (laughs) um yeah and and she was like well like how can I help and I was like well I'm just doing these interviews of entrepreneurs CEOs she was like oh yeah I could uh basically follow up with me because I think we can get you connected to the chairman of Coca-Cola and I was like all right, yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure, why not? So, like, things like that would happen, and it's just, like, craziness. And, yeah, it culminated with um, one of these guys I talked to uh, was like, look, like, if you do, like, 10, 20 more of these interviews, I think there's enough content where we can um, co-author a book and, and there'll be, like, the patterns of success across these people. Hmm. And that was two weeks before I started my freshman year at college. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll leave it there uh, to, to where you want to go yeah, next. But that that, that reminds me of uh, this book called, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like The Back Door to Success. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. Alex. Uh, like third that. Door. I third think, Door. Yeah, there we go. Third Door by Alex Benayan, which is yep. also, funny enough, I read that uh, a year later, or not a year, six months later while I was in my freshman year of college, and I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, this guy has my name, and he did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, like, I could have written this book. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he 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 got he took it to the next level. He did like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, you know, he Steven Spielberg. He interviewed like he went to to the mountaintops of interviewing. But uh, yeah. it's crazy. Good book. Good book. Yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah, let's let's dive into to Pat. So yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about Pat's and kind of where the where the inspiration came from, and also like I guess the problem you encountered that made you want to yeah. actually start this. Absolutely. So. It all ties together, right? It's so I, after this summer of interviewing, I show up and the first day I'm at Johns Hopkins, uh, there's an orientation barbecue and I sit next to uh, fa- a new faculty member who just got hired and uh, his name's Farouk Day and he had just left Stanford where he was running their career services and helping to start this new class and movement called mm-hmm. Life Design. And life design is like, you know, there's a book called Designing Your Life by Dave Evans and Bill Burnett, who are two professors at Stanford. And um, it's addressing this problem that most, pretty much every student has, which is like, what do I want to do with my life? <laughs> you know, what do I want to do after I graduate college? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like a problem that de- never goes away. You know, like constantly you're having these maybe, like, mi- you know, quarter life crisis, midlife crisis, right? It's like always like, okay, what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt like, so, so I met this guy, Farouk, and we had this conversation. I told him all about the summer, and he goes, oh, man, like, you just took life design to the absolute extreme because I was 
interviewing these people, shadowing people. I was basically, in, in life design terms, prototyping or testing mm. out what these different life's, life paths would look like by doing these things. And because of that, I had so much information. Like, I had so much data to make mm. better decisions on. And what I realized was like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by so many smart people here at Hopkins. Academically, I, they blew me out of the water, you know. Uh, but I was like, they all struggle with this what am I going to do after college thing? And um, yeah, like, wouldn't it be how much wasted potential is there because of that? Because like they they're, they don't have clarity on kind of like what they want to mm. go do, you know? And, and so, and I think that there's, there's totally like a natural uh, it's natural to like kind of not know, and you have to try things to figure things out. Right. But like, how could you speed that process up was like the big kind of, that's what I wanted to, I was like, I could devote my life to that, you know? Cause it's like, oh. yeah. Cause if you can save someone years of experimenting, trying to figure out what their thing is, like getting them to figure out kind of like what fulfills them every day and what, and how they could design a life around that. I was like, that's pretty powerful stuff. So, hmm. um, it was like, how could I scale this experience I just had with interviewing to all these students? That was really yeah. the impetus. And then I, you know, I, I did, originally it was like me and Farouk partnered, we did like events and we would introduce life design and we'd bring in speakers and we kind of, we brought, had like a DJ, we had music going, it was like kind of Tony Robbins-y vibe. <laughs> um, then we were like, ah, events are kind of hard to keep doing, like we want to do tech. And that was when I pivoted and learned to code and like incubated my house for a summer and did a startup called ImagineX, which was really the precursor to Paths. And uh, after, so that was like two and a half years and we ended up uh, mm. building, you know, kind of, then you actually have to get into the impl Im implementation, right? So you have this like nice high level mission, which is, it's nice, but honestly it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean shit unless you can actually like, you have a product that's like delivering, you know, on, you know, so many levels. It's got to be delivering on like value prop. Uh, it's got, then the UX actually has to be like compelling enough where like, I'm going to open this thing every day and like it use it. And like, then you're talking about, um, you know, the loops that are built into a product and like, oh. and so you have to get really good at, you know, UX and, and design. Then you actually have to build the thing. And like, I had no, you know, so it's like you go down the rabbit hole of what it actually takes to then execute on that with a, with a tech solution. And that was like two and a half years of, of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then I, then I basically, we got lucky with that startup because we wanted to build um, a discover, basically a recommendation app hmm. for the life design process. So it would, it would take your ideas as inputs and give you next steps as outputs, essentially. Hmm. So like who to talk to, if you want to learn more about computer science, careers, um, videos to watch, resources online. Um, yeah, like what to do next. Hmm. And... Um, we, yeah, they, I, we just, I just say we just didn't execute that well on that. Uh, but we got kind of lucky because then um, Hopkins needed a recommendation app for all their virtual career fairs. So they were having these big virtual because <laughs> COVID hit and they needed an app that basically connects students to employers um, to talk to at these career fairs uh, virtually. And so then we, we built, we basically said, oh, we already have all the infrastructure. <laughs> Let's just do that. <laughs> so we did that and we licensed it to them. And, um, and then I took a break and I was like, oh man, like I, this is not it. Like, I don't want to build an app that just does career fair recommendations. Like I'm trying to, what's that original vision, right? Like mm. how can I scale those interviews? 
And this was off the back of Clubhouse becoming super hot in mm. January 2021. And podcasts were blowing up. Audio was huge over COVID. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be great um, if you could basically scale? Yeah, my experience I just had, uh, you know, two, three years ago as a, as a, before I came to Hopkins, interviewing people. Well, then I was like, oh, actually, there is a scalable way of doing it. It's podcasts. You know, <laughs> like I, I listen to a podcast and I can get a really good sense of what someone's life looks like. And mm. I don't know. I mean, that's part of my process when I'm like thinking about what do I want to do next. I explore and a lot of times I'm listening to podcasts mm. um, or I'm having conversations. But the scalable version is the podcast. So, but then I was like, oh, man, it kind of sucks that these are like an hour, an hour and a half because usually there's like five minutes of gold, mm-hmm. you know, that actually matter. And so I thought, oh, it would be really cool if you could take like the best parts of a podcast um, and uh, and basically make it dynamic. I mean, they have an app where like I could ask someone a question. They can just respond with the, the part uh, of the podcast I'm curious about, which is the question, you know? So, um, so yeah, so, and Paths actually, there was a, previous iteration of that which was like uh, I was using 3JS I was doing like this crazy visualization stuff I could show it to you later but hmm. um, it was about storytelling so it was like what's a new, another medium of storytelling and I thought audio is great and you really captured the energy and like essence of somebody and you, you got hmm. to really yeah I think there's something about listening to someone's audio um, that's super personal and authentic and so um so I started, yeah, I basically said, okay, I want to build a social network where you can hear about people's career experiences through short audio snippets. Um, and, yeah, so I, mm. I can kind of give you the two. So it's founded on, like, these two two these theses, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And the first was, like, um, audio is exploding. Like, like I, th- I think that's only going to continue. And I think there's so many people that could have podcasts that don't, uh, and <laughs> this knowledge is just locked in their brain. So the only way you're going to get it is if they go on a podcast or if you have a, if you have a conversation. And that's kind of that was the workflow, right? Is you go on LinkedIn, you ask someone to chat for like 15 minutes, or you, you get an intro and like, you talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So I thought audio is exploding, um, but there's so much information that's locked in long form audio podcasts. Yeah. And so basically, could you do what TikTok did for video, but with audio? So mm-hmm. taking these long form videos and now boom, like short, short form um, and unlock the value of that. And I think even now it's, it's only getting better because you just have like, you know, open AI, like whisper just came out where now you can like transcribe things. I mean, I'm using like AWS, but uh, transcribe, but the ability to like index these audio sound bites mm-hmm. now is getting better and better and better. And so I think that, that being able to create, um, you know, search through audio is a huge trend that, like, I believe in. The second thing is, I think, like I was saying before, career discovery um, is mainly done through conversations. Hmm. And, oh. yeah, and, and so I, I basically I believe in those two trends. And um, so that's what kind of caused me to go out and build paths and uh, – and yeah, now it's it's a it's a year a year later, uh, so interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. I love the journey behind it and um, kind of the purpose in the connecting, 
you know, a young person that like wants to figure out what path, what career they want to pursue with someone that has the experience and is able to give right. the perspective needed. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and just to clarify, I guess like a little of how it works is like you would go on the platform, you're able to um, find people that have answered questions in the form of an audio. So maybe an example might, what, what would be like an yeah, example yeah. So, question? So basically like I could go on paths right now, go to Julian's profile and ask him, uh, how'd you get into startups or how'd you get into interviewing? And he mm -hmm. could record 10 second to 10 minute answer uh, as an audio clip um, that he can share anywhere on the internet. Um, anyone can like, comment, um, you know, follow up, uh, create kind of a, a thread on and, um, and yeah, it's, uh, hmm. it's, and, and now actually you can join communities around certain topics. So I could join a startups community and, uh, I could ask kind of anyone in the group, um, you know, what's their startup story? What's their founding story? How did they get into it? And you begin to get, uh, kind of this really interesting look at a bunch of perspectives of people's paths and how, how they navigated and, um, yeah, and, and now even some companies are using Paths uh, as a recruiting tool uh, to be able to share their founding story, to take questions, frequently mm. asked questions, and, uh, and answer them from members of the team, which typically you'd have like an info session or like, uh, yeah, like you would have to talk to each member of a team to get. Um, but I think there's a really powerful use case around like getting better qualified people by being able to hear from members of, in an organization or group uh, in the recruiting process. So, right. Yeah, there's, there's probably like a lot of interesting use cases like that you can tap into, which which I'm sure is cool, but also makes it challenging into like what your use case yeah. to, to focus on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that kind of leads into my next question of like, uh, you know, like what stage are you currently at and yeah. how how's it going so far? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I think there's an interesting, I was watching this YC video, right, where it goes through, like, a, companies that have made it and their first five launches. So Paths right now is on its third launch. So the first launch I got at was actually last, last summer, but, oh, my God, the product was, like, bare bones. It was, like, the MVP of MVPs. Um, and, uh, and I was doing these beta tests. I was kind of, like, I wasn't, it wasn't, like, even out, out publicly. It was just, like, okay, I launched in a private beta. Then I did like a more public launch in January mm -hmm. and um, and then I kind of like relaunched over and over at, at Hopkins, uh, but nothing, n never like really big. It was almost like, okay, we're kind of out of beta, like, you know, come check it out. Uh, but then things would break and like, you know, I had honestly, because I was building it all myself, there was a lot of features. Um, it was, it was navigating like the maze of, yeah, I mean, like they say the idea mm -hmm. maze of like oh my God, there's like too many features now. I got to cut some of these back and like get more, more users to like just, like the users to features ratio was terrible. <laughs> it was like, wow, so many features and like not that many users. So, um, but yeah, then kind of uh, reset graduated in, in May and uh, relaunched in August. And since then, what's really, I'd say here's the progression. It's like originally Paths was just focused on, um, okay, I'm really interested in Julian and becoming uh, like a founder. I know Julian's a founder, uh, almost like an AMA, right? Mm -hmm. I go on, I can ask a question to Julian. He'll, he'll respond with audio. Uh, then what happened is like, 
there was a lot of content, um, but it's almost like content overwhelm. Like it wasn't, um, you know, it was a, it wasn't organized well. And so then it became, oh, okay, like let me create communities and topics to organize this this content. Um, and so it's almost like subreddits now, uh, different mm-hmm. paths community. So you have like paths.audio slash startups, you know, mm-hmm. slash finance, et cetera. And that was better. Um, and, but now, then it, then it became, okay, well, like, um, I can also have these pages, these similar kind of community pages, but for companies and for universities and for university groups and pretty much any groups that just want to have a, a page to use paths. And now I think, um, you know, it's been a month and a half after our launch and, uh, you know, what you have after a launch is like you have a spike, right? So we had a mm. spike and, and the reception, honestly, on socials and stuff was pretty good. Um, like people resonate with the idea. Um, but then it was like, okay, well, like what, what's the use case? Like, how am I actually going to use this? Why should I come back to this every day? And now with these communities, uh, there's really like three use cases that are emerging Mm -hmm. that are pretty compelling. And, uh, so the first one, like I mentioned is for recruiting. And so originally that started with student groups, uh, pre-professional groups Mm -hmm. recruiting and they have to, you know, like, I don't know if it was like this, um, at your college, but. Like they have, um, you know, like a finance, like a kind of like pre-investment banking group and like a pre like VC group at, at mm-hmm. Hopkins and like a few other ones like that. And um, yeah, for their recruiting, basically they answer the same questions over and over, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, new students especially are like, what are the options? You know, what, where can I go to learn about, you know, they're like overwhelmed, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so we basically created these like one click landing pages that these groups could send around to new students and uh, answer frequently asked questions and uh, basically put like a, a button to go and apply hmm. and and then track like, okay, how many people, how many students came to that page? Uh, how many students listened to the clips uh, or asked a question? And then how many actually converted to go and apply? And so we're kind of like in the middle of that experiment right now. Um, with a few of those groups, but then it was like, oh, well, we could do this with companies too. So uh, talking, so so a few effing companies are are gonna be testing that out as well in the next week or so. Um, which is which is I think um, it's a co- like I think it makes sense because right now, like I, like I was saying before, the way career discovery works or company discovery is like uh, either through conversations or like you know, you go on LinkedIn and try to get on the phone with someone who works at a company you're interested in. So that's a really interesting use case with, with recruiting. Another one is just like um, kind of traditional, like learning from alumni or from people who are further ahead of you in a certain path. And then mm-hmm. that's what kind of, that was the OG paths use case. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds like there's, there's a lot of different use cases. How do you know which one to focus on and prioritize? Because you want to yeah. stay focused. Absolutely. Uh, but also there there could be a lot of different opportunities. So how do you gauge which of those potential uh, yeah. use cases is worth focusing and narrowing in on? Right. So, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty much about being ruthless about what is the metric and what is the metric. So for me right now, it's just daily actives. Like how many people are coming back every day and. And I define an active as either like basically performing an action such as streaming, mm. uh, upvoting, commenting, et cetera, right? So like how can I get engaged active communities? Because it's nice to get, I have like a, I have 
like uh, over a thousand communities on paths now, but like how many of those are active and engaged? Hmm. That's a different question. And so for me, that's the metric. And what I've seen so far, like for example, um, I started out with like university career centers. They were using it to try to gauge an alumni. And, and then we actually had another use case for like orientation with Georgetown student athletes use it for their orientation, which is nice. But like all that stuff is advice. And advice is, n- is like a nice to have. So in my mind, like those use cases right now are kind of like they're they're nice, but like they're not um, driving active, engaged communities versus this recruiting thing. Basically, like I suggested this to, mm. um, you know, everyone I've talked to about this. I mean, recruiting is a must have. You need to recruit if you're any sort of organization needs to recruit. And if this can help you do it better and make it more efficient to find better qualified like candidates. That's actually, that's actually like a, Oh, there's a real reason we need to do this and invest in making our page look good and marketing it and answering these questions. Well, yep. and so that's how I, so right now that's like my number one focus because mm-hmm. there's a very clear, it's just about like how, how painful, of a problem is the solution solving. Yeah, and so much of this too is like for these different potential use cases, like something I would look at is one, what's the problem? That's very basic, right? So for companies that want to recruit, the problem is like how do you get more candidates to apply it as well as like high quality ones? Yeah. And then the second thing after identifying the problem is what uh like how what are their current ways how are they currently solving this problem what are they currently doing to up their recruiting game and based on those different solutions and approaches how well are they working and where are they falling short what's the underserved need given the current solutions that they've explored and then like what is the gap that exists to see how big the opportunity is for you yeah right exactly and you have to be like you have to be really ruthless i think about um yeah, like, like what the feedback is you're getting. Like when you're mm-hmm. talking to people about potential, especially because like it's an interesting place to be where you have like uh, a general product that you're looking for specific use cases in, right? Versus yeah. building like a very specific thing and then branching out. Like I, if I was doing it over again, I'd probably build the specific, you know, like I would do, I would do a lot differently in terms of like building much more leanly and then, you know, focusing very sharply and then, yeah, expanding out. But now I have like a general thing and I've got to go find the specific thing to go focus on. And, uh, yeah, it's, like, being very ruthless about the feedback I'm getting. Hmm. And, like, if it's just, like, you know, I, I don't know, Furcon has this great saying, like, friends don't count. Yeah. You know, like, if your friend is, is, is an active user, like, you're counting, like, just throw them out. They're not, they don't count. Like, yeah. friends don't count. People, you even people you know don't count. Like, go to people who you don't have any, like, you don't know at all. And, like, basically, um... Yeah, and, and then and then like pitch the like t- to me it's like it's like hey I see you have this problem like I like I ha- here's the solution like here here's I, I think a potential way this could help you um, like would you what do you think and and that's not even I don't think that's a great way of doing it but like that, unfortunately that's kind of where I'm at is like I've got this solution and I know you have a problem like uh, can can this can this really help you like I, how can I serve you the best that I can. And, um, and I think with these use cases I'm talking about with recruiting, it's been like, oh yeah, this actually really does solve our problem. Like this would help us a lot. We want, we actually really want this. And a lot of that is just like, are they, what's the follow up look like? 
are they like asking you every day for it? Because like I've had, pe- yeah, people are like texting me the past week, like, yo, when's this thing being shipped? Like, when's this coming out? Because like, we actually really want this. Hmm. Versus like, yeah, um, I've been in the land of like building hypothetical features uh, that I think would be great. Like Steve Jobsing it and yeah. no one uses it. So it's being actually really ruthless about like taking, um, yeah, b- people like begging you to, to, do, to build the thing. Yeah, 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 100%. And so I'm I'm curious also what, um, what like, w- you said you'd do a lot of things differently. I'm curious what else comes to mind. What are some, like, yeah. big mistakes you would have wished you right. avoided? Okay, yeah. So so basically, and I was kind of in this place because I'd launched Paths, and I was like, oh, man, you know, this definitely, it, it wasn't, it didn't go viral, you know? It, it mm-hmm. wasn't like I had uh, tons and tons of people, like, waiting to get in. Yeah, and maybe I didn't build a waitlist or anything like that. But what I would do differently is like I would try to get people to beg me for whatever the product is before I even touched code, a line of code. Like so, and the way I do, uh, the way I, I did a mini experiment with this, right? Um, I had all this audio infrastructure, and um, I had this idea. Okay, well, be real is like going crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if there was an app called Real Talk? And it was audio be real. So you get one <laughs> notification a day and you have to re- record 60 seconds in reaction to a hot pop culture topic. That's and cool. Yeah. And then you get a notification and like you got to record yours to see your friends. Mm-hmm. And maybe we crowdsource like the topic. So it's like location based and maybe it's like a, a interesting topic to the founders and community. That's the, or at your university or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, okay, so like if I had taken the old Alex approach, I would have been so excited. All right, boom, React Native app. I'm, I'm coding. You know, like I'm getting this out as fast as possible. I'm shipping this as fast as possible. No, don't do that. Do not even touch a line of code. Don't do that. Um, like, like what I did instead was I took my camera out and I built in public with video. I was just like, all right, we're going to make audio be real version. Here's the logo. Here's the name. And here's a landing page. And the landing page was so, super simple. All it had was like, this is the the idea, and here's a text box. Like, give me your number if you want me to build this. Oh. And I posted a TikTok about it, and it didn't go crazy. I got like 10.5K 10, 10. views, like 1,000 likes. It, but it converted. That's like 10.5K views, 1,000 likes, converted to like 100 phone numbers. Hmm. Organic. Like, people typed in realtalk.lol, R-E-E-L, talk.lol, and gave me their phone number. Hmm. And like okay, what is that, how much signal is that? Um, I mean, it's okay. But I went back on TikTok and I said, look, I'm gonna, I, uh, I'll build this if I get 1,000 um, submissions. Yeah, it, this is reminding me of um, a tweet Farza made, who the founder of BuildSpace. Yeah. He tweeted, like, uh, when they build things, they kind of, like, have a sequential uh, list, a framework for approaching it. So it's, like, what's a one-hour experiment yeah, exactly. I can yes. run to yep. test something? So this would be, like, maybe super quick landing page or create a TikTok, yep. engage the interest. Okay, uh, we got, like, 10,000 uh, views, 1,000 likes. Okay, there's some interest here. So then what's the next phase? What's, like, a one-day experiment yep. I can run to, like, test this idea out? Yeah. Okay, do something more complex. And then if that works and you get more interest, it's, like, does that warrant investing a week in it and so on? So it's, like, how can you start with the smallest point of one, two-hour investment? That give you enough signal for a day and then a week, and then maybe exactly. you keep on pursuing yes. it exactly. indefinitely. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly it. And I would build it like I would time box the building as well, right? Like I would, because I think I have I've had this tendency before. It's like, oh man, this feature would be cool, like super cool. And and you know, it's like, or it's like, oh, we're gonna launch on Thursday, or we're gonna launch tomorrow, right? We just have to finish this one thing. And like you're doing the thing, and you're do, and it's like, oh well, this other thing came up, and this other thing came up, and then like suddenly you've spent like a week just in the code, like just make or like, oh, this needs to be redesigned, or like, you you can get lost in the sauce really quickly. Yeah. And so I think I I now set a timer when I start coding. I literally have a timer. <laughs> like I'm not gonna code pa- like two hours. Like that's it. You you either like whatever you get done in these two hours. Like that's the that's what you're shipping, because yeah. like. You can't just keep going. You're like you, you need to, and so part and part of that's like, okay, well, how good am I? Can I can I ship you know a product in two hours? <laughs> uh, you know, working on that. Um, but yeah, that's always uh, hard too because coding is the hardest thing to like predict and get right yeah, time yeah, yeah. wise. Exactly. Yeah. So, but that's how I would do differently, which is like I would build in public in some way, build up the the demand and get enough signal where like literally I want people begging me for this product. Like, mm-hmm. I want them to be texting me every day. Yo, when is this out? Yeah. 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 And the key is, what's the minimum thing you can do to get that signal? That's always the yeah. question. And then also, you, then you need, like, you, the, the second thing is you need constant contact with reality. Mm-hmm. Like, constant. Because the first version of the Real Talk app, it's not going to be, it, it probably won't hit the mark, you know? It yeah. probably needs... A lot of it needs like a ton of iterations. So like, how can you get those iterations faster? And the thing I think it's really cool now. Like, I literally just like I design something, I record a video of it, I put it on TikTok. I say, okay, like does this makes sense. Like, I can get a bunch of people to basically be my. And you can do this in a bunch of ways. You don't have to use TikTok. You can have uh, a group chat with like early adopters, people you know who really want the thing, and you like text them. Here's the design. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. So much of it is is many times just finding the right communities. Yeah. Where the what you're building or the problem you're trying to solve is filled with like people in that community yeah. that, that you end up finding. So I always ask that first, like like who is the type of person that has that this problem and what communities digitally and in person do they usually hang out in? Right, right. That's yeah. a way to get early signal. Yeah. Uh but cool. Awesome. Um moving on from there, one thing I'm curious about, Alex, is uh you, I think you you've uh, you kind of have like a lot of history around your personal growth journey, right? And and uh, and the mindsets you developed over time. And I'm curious, like how something like entrepreneurship, in both its glorifying and agonizing moments, like what what has entrepreneurship taught you about life in general? I I might I'm tempted to quote Arnav, right? Like if you want to <laughs> really know yourself, start a company <laughs> because it's. It's really like you get to see what you're made of, you know, and there's something really um, I heard this quote like it's really special if you you believe like I think Paul Graham tweeted this. It's like if you believe you can do hard things, but it takes hard work like to be able to believe you can do hard things is really powerful. Like I'm thinking to myself, man. I thought basketball was going to be the hardest thing. Like the whole basketball training would be the hardest thing I ever did. But no, it's not. It's like, <laughs> no, it's, it's building a company. And anything else, I'm like, wow. Uh, you know, I'm 22, right? Anything else I do in my life, I'm like, 
won't even compare. Like I now I go up on stages, right? Like yesterday went to a, this open mic, uh, and literally didn't have a guitar, didn't know what song I was gonna sing, um, and I was alone. My friends weren't there, and it was just me, and and I was just like, all right, uh, you know, I started talking to this random dude, like was able to get his guitar. I like go up there. It's like out of tune. It's like a it's like a wide string guitar. I was like, oh, I can't play this song because it's, it's too big, um, and I just did it. And it's like, because I'm in constant discomfort, it's like, it's like, I don't, I don't have anything to lose. Like I just do, I just do things now that otherwise I would have thought twice about, but it's just like, no, I'm constant. I'm like constantly in discomfort. So, (laughs) or like I'm constantly in a state of getting rejected and failing that. And that's the game that like anything else is kind of just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah. I mean, you've learned uh, how to get comfortable with discomfort, which yeah, I think exactly. is one of the biggest superpowers you can develop in life. Yeah, it's like, exactly. That's it. It's like the emotional state of discomfort is the default state right now. And it's like, that's where I'm living. <laughs> so it's like, that's where I'm living. So like um, anything else, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Why not? Like, Come yeah. over and reject me. So yeah, I don't live in San Francisco. <laughs> I live in discomfort. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I live in discomfort and rejection and uh, failure. <laughs> you know, yeah. hell so, of a home. <laughs> hell of a home. Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely not like it's a, such an interesting reaction I had to it initially because, and I think Founders Inc does an amazing job of cultivating this like culture of radical transparency and like no bullshit. Right. Yeah. Like you come to Founders Inc and like you talk to Furcon or like any of the guys here and, the, and they'll go straight like right through all the bullshit <laughs> right to like the thing and you're like and some people like run from that but i honestly i was like oh my god this is awesome yeah like, this is I what i needed it. this is yeah i love it i mean at the same time, i hate it like it's not good like, like doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good at all but like i know this is what i need and my and i, I know that because my basketball coach in high school was exactly like that hmm. this six seven albanian you know like scary guy, honestly. <laughs> uh, and he would like, you know, he'd basically, you know, it was over when he'd call you over and he'd go like this and he'd start and you just boom. I mean, like, yeah, taking that type of stuff. It was just like, I mean, it was all good. All love. I mean, we love each other. <laughs> so not, not to say he was saying anything crazy, but it was just like, he was giving you the hard truth and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was literally the best thing ever happened. And there's another coach, uh, Bob Bobby Hurley, who's probably the best hmm. basketball coach and high, high, best high school basketball coach ever. Inducted in the Hall of Fame, coached at St. Anthony's in New Jersey. And he was just like that. It's like, I think the people who are the hardest on you, but they they, they cut through the bullshit. They just like yeah. tell you what you, what it is and the reality of it. And like, I love that. I just yeah, love that. I mean, like you need uh, everyone needs to be slapped in the face yeah exactly and the thing is that it's not fun you don't want to get slapped yeah, yeah, yeah but if you have the courage to be slapped like yeah. you'll, you'll respond in either two ways one you'll be like what the hell like why are you slapping me like that's mean i feel awful this right, isn't good right. but if you can get past that then you can identify you can question like why are they slapping me in the face right and that why if you uncover it is like wait a second, holy shit, I just uncovered a blind spot on yeah. how I'm doing something I'm wrong or it's something I completely glanced over. Yeah. So if you're getting slapped in the face, uh, should probably be open to uncover why the hell that's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. 
I guess in one other thing I'll say about entrepreneurship is like very high highs and very low lows. I don't know if you've experienced. Have you experienced? Oh that? no doubt. I mean, it's a it's a constant roller coaster. Yeah. Um, exactly. And when there's this there's this great um, saying from from this entrepreneur named Naveen Jain, and he's like, you know, life is constantly ups and downs, no doubt. And entrepreneurship definitely like highlights that even more so. But he he creates this great analogy that like imagine you're in the hospital and they have you plugged into a device and you have a heart rate monitor, right? And if you look at a person who's alive, their heart rate monitor goes up and down, up and down, mm. up and down. And then once the person dies, yeah. it's flat. <laughs> so it's basically like if what you want is comfort and if what you want is uh, to not have ups and downs, then it's almost like you've died before you've even died. Right. So the ups and downs, firstly, it's a natural part of life, but yeah. two, it's how you know you're alive. Right. Uh, and part of the downfall, like feeling the low lows is also what highlights uh, the high highs. So I think just understanding the natural course of life uh, and the ups and downs makes it more comfortable, but <laughs> it's still fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll say, like, actually, some someone asked me, like, a kid in college, they were like, oh, like, you know, I'm thinking about entrepreneurship. Like, like, why did you go into it? And I said, because doing entrepreneurship is, like, living more life in less time. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like how That's can I... That's a good I, way to put it. Yeah. It's like I'm living, like, the most amount of life in the least amount of time because I'm every single day faced with a new thing. I'm forcing myself to grow, right? Like I'm now having to do growth. Like I've just done product for like a long time. I'm doing growth. And, and I wasn't, a pro originally I was just like a good sales guy, you know? Like, so then it's like, okay, well now I got to get good at product. And then, okay, engineering, design, talking to users. Now and I'm getting good at growth. And it's like, I have to always level up my, my skill sets. Yep. And it's crazy. It's just like, and I have to do things that scare me and it's, um, yeah. And I'm, and I'm literally like, yeah, I'm just cramming more and more life. Yeah. Into life. I love that way of thinking about it. And it's actually one of the, one of the main reasons I left my full-time job at Meta. Like there's many reasons, but one of the biggest ones is to optimize, uh, for learning and growth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, a full-time job, like you have stability, like you, uh, you'll still learn a lot, especially at a good company like Meta, but in entrepreneurship, you're doing fucking everything, especially you, you're a one-man army, it's crazy. you're freaking coding, designing, um, and trying to figure out what the fuck. <laughs> it's cra I don't recommend, uh, the solo founder route. Um, but you know, I think the basis of it was like, you, I'm sure you've read Naval, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, Learn to build, learn to sell, you'll be unstoppable. Yes. Yeah. And so to me, I was like, well, shit. I've just gone through like the pro. I basically invested like two and a half, three years before I started Paths in the learning to build route. Yeah. And I was like, and I know I can sell. So shit. I mean, <laughs> uh, why don't I just, yeah, like I want to get better at both. And, and I think I have such a long way to go, but like, um, again, it's like that foundational belief, right? If you can do it. And so, um, I, I would say it's, it's obviously like, it's a, so much of a longer journey than I ever would have thought, but like, it's definitely also doing it, being a solo founder. It's like, it really is like me against me. Yeah. <laughs> it really is me against me. It's like, no one else is moving this thing forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, tennis. I played a lot of tennis yeah. uh, young, being younger, and then I transitioned into soccer. And yeah. I think that was the biggest thing, like tennis, like the mindset in tennis matters so much more because 
if you ended up losing most of the time it's because you lost uh your mindset and you yeah. lost like the mental warfare against yourself the other person like is going to impact your mindset the and the world around you your competition is gonna like influence you but at the end of the day it's just you against yourself and the mindsets you're able to uh battle and the limiting beliefs you're able to identify and break uh, i think that's where the real magic happens but shit's hard in any case, uh, last few questions for you, Alex. So you've studied success a lot and you highly crave it, uh, as I can tell. So I'm, and, and you even have a TED, TEDx talk on uh, the rational approach to success. So I'm curious, like, what is... Disclaimer, I was 16, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, mean there's, a, there's a whole thing around how do you do a TEDx talk at 16. But I'm curious, uh, what does success mean to you and uh, what kind of success do you desire uh i would say success to me means living um a very intentional like living very intentionally hmm. and so that means like in everything i'm doing i'm i'm doing it consciously and like with yeah with intention i'm not like letting I'm not reacting to life. I'm mm -hmm. being proactive and I'm actively designing the life that I want. Like to, to, mm -hmm. to get, I can get into like specifics, right? Like I think Naval's like health, wealth, happiness yeah. thing is, is, is big. And, and like I can talk about my, I think my, my foundational values. Number one, it's people. Like a, even though I like go through this, like, you know, I have this mode where I can go in like absolute, obsession with a craft and like I recognize a lot of times that comes at the expense of relationships yeah um I think the reason I can do that is because like I've been super lucky to have a amazing family growing up and like yeah that's like the foundation of everything honestly is like family and the people around me who've like invested in me my friends I think I have amazing friends I have amazing family like that that part of my life is like good and mm. it allows me to like go out and and focus on me more. Yeah. I don't think I would be able to do, like, it, that's honestly, I think, number one. Like, if I was starting from scratch, like, zero anything, zero connections, zero resources, it's like, go make some friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> go make some friends and take care of your health, honestly. And that's, like, kind of what I did growing up, which is, like, I was, I was an athlete. I was playing every sport. I was outside all the time. And I think that's built a really good foundation in my health and in my relationships. And mm. now it's, like, great, I can go and, like, take on these quests that that maybe require sacrificing some time on your health or on your relationships. Um, but, yeah, the, the two – so, yeah, in terms of my values and, like, what I strive for, it's, like, to have incredible relationships um, and then to also, like, push myself and go, go on these quests, these personal development heroes' journeys – uh, to transform myself and see like kind of what I'm made of and like and so but to to get back to my original response like I think it all comes from like living intentionally hmm. and like designing yeah designing a life that you know will fulfill you at the end of the day like I, I think I'm doing the entrepreneurship thing not because of like I mean a lot of people say this right but I really do believe it it's like I'm addicted to the growth journey like the yeah. the, the starting from like you know, whatever, Joseph Campbell's, like, hero's journey circle, right? Like, going mm -hmm. into the darkness and coming out the other side, 
And I'd be like, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I went in that jungle and, like, came out, but, like, I did it. And uh, and now I'm, like, so much of a stronger person. Like, now I've, I've a changed person. And I love that. And then I, yeah, and then I, I super value my connections and my, my relationship. So it's kind of like marrying those har- harmoniously. Yeah. Which is always a challenge, but. Yeah. And that's how you do life design. <laughs> and that is life design. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, t- and to, to that note, uh, the final question here is like, what is, what is the vision uh, that you have for who you want to become and what you want to create, achieve and give in your life? Like wh- what impact do you want to have in the creation and invention of the future? I think so this whole talk right has been about this arc this circle of you know basically going through uh, an external quest to figure out like internally what what are you made of Mm. and we share this I think my my mission, I would say, is to help as many people do that, like go through that and come out the other side and and design like design a life that they really love, like that they they really like like there's something um, I mean, this is like cliche, right? But it's like if you really design your life to where you love it, like you never need to escape it. You're like always mm-hmm. like in it. And it's amazing. It's like, oh my gosh, like this is my every day. Hmm. And the more, more, if I can like, yeah, if I can basically help as many people do that and, and tap into like their full potential of what they can do, that's what I'm about. And there's so many ways of, uh, of that manifests. I think, um, I want to be a teacher eventually in my life, hmm. you know, like I, I think I love teaching. Um, paths is like, one is like the way I think you do it at the biggest scale right now. Um, you know, but yeah, I would, I would say that's what, that's the legacy I really want to leave is like, um, he, yeah, he helped me transform my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like believe in myself in, in ways I didn't even know. Uh, or like, you know, not to say I did that just that I, I like, helped in the, in the journey you know like I made it, it could be simple as like you made the right connection to somebody or or that one of my stories resonates with somebody or you use paths and like you hear someone else's story that resonates right um something like that would be yeah and and then and then just to like yeah basically leave every interaction with somebody and mm-hmm. have it be like oh that was a positive interaction like yeah give give something of value you know like even if it's just like listening, because like that's that's a lot of times, that's hugely valuable. Yeah, sometimes that's all people need. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's all people need, as you know, as as a great listener and interviewer yourself, right? So, um, yeah, that, mm. that that's what I would say. Yeah, I resonate with that deeply, and I think uh, for me, there's something so special and beautiful about acquiring the capacity to empower others to find what they have within them, uh, especially if when they're not able to see what it is they have within themselves. And you can, in some way or form, help them in- unlock that. Uh, yeah. that, that that's, so I resonate very deeply on that point. 
yeah, and it's, it's a lot of my obsession yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, and you see it with so many people, like, I think it's, it's something about, uh, I don't know, when you get to a certain point, and I don't think, I mean, like, that, that's, this is the hardest thing, right, is like, when you're in the journey and you're still trying to like you give back, you kind of have to go through the journey to like change yourself and then you can like help someone else who's going through the journey change, you know, get there. So like for example, for basketball, right? Like I can now help a lot of people basketball, but for entrepreneurship, I mean, I'm getting there, but like, it's not like I've seen anywhere close to the whole arc of that story. And so it's like you go through it and you, you become so much better so that then eventually you have the luxury to like actually help in transformative ways, right? Like once, you, once you've like, yeah, like you know what I'm saying? Like once you actually have gone through that, imagine how many people you can help after you've like exited your company or like IPO'd a company. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. That's a crazy amount of people. Yeah, no, it's huge. I, I also think that you should have people at, three different levels. You should have people that are playing like at a higher level than you and you can look up to them like as a mentor. Uh, You should have people that are in this at the same level as you so that because you like relate with them like we're at the same stage. We're trying to figure things out like how are you approaching it? How am I approaching it? And then also like people that are like one one step below you uh, because then you can serve as like a mentor and you learn a lot in that regard as well on top of the obvious benefit of being able to give back a a bit of what you've gotten yeah Um, so i think of those three levels totally agree totally agree with that yeah cool man so thank you for sharing your path uh (laughs) where can people follow along and learn more uh, about your journey and path and follow you along yeah uh, uh, obviously, then, of course, in Pats. Uh, what's the domain? Pats. Yeah, dot so pa- paths.audio, P-A-T-H-S dot audio. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on TikTok at uh, Alex Shaq. That's Shaq like Shaquille O'Neal, S-H-A-Q. <laughs> uh, my last name is Shaqney, but, uh, you know, I played basketball and... <laughs> You know, people just said, wow, you look so much like Shaq. We'll just call you Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> twins. <laughs> twins. Complete right? twins. Uh, and, yeah, on Twitter, at Alex underscore Shaqney, my name, S-C-H-A-C-H-N-E. Uh, I might change the handles to be <laughs> consistent. consistent. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of uh, all over the map. Um, yeah, and maybe some music coming out eventually. I don't know. We'll oh, see. cool. Yeah, yeah. Drop, drop an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop a mixtape. We're working on it. Well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> drop a mixtape. <laughs> I love it. Um yeah, maybe in the effing studio. Actually, I mean, this place we've been we had a couple jam sessions in here. It's a, it's a uh, yeah. it is a vibe, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this the studio's multi-purpose. Yeah, <laughs> b- multi-purpose. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Potentially uh, an effing album coming out. We'll see. Dude, that'd be insane. That would be really cool. I'll spit some bars, even though I don't yeah, have any. Yeah, come in. We'll we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll have you just yeah. We'll, we'll we'll set it up. This is imagine that like an effing. Uh, album oh my god i actually love that idea we'd break the billboards (laughs) (laughs) my long-term vision is i want to create uh like a creative studio so imagine like five floors okay Hmm. floor one is like dedicated to health so a full basketball court (laughs) gym um maybe you've got like you know some yoga rooms or like some meditation rooms etc Floor two is like a venture studio. You've got mm. entrepreneurs that are trying to change the world and stuff. And, uh, you know, give them a space like this. Floor three is for uh, basically 
any sound related arts hmm. music so you got musicians jamming you've got podcast studios uh yeah and then for floor uh, the fourth floor is for like uh film so hmm. people creating movies documentaries short films and yeah TikToks. fifth floor yeah TikToks <laughs> even fifth floor is like any other creatives comedians uh magicians you know just a space because wow. i think i think is really cool in what they're doing to support entrepreneurs but uh i've seen plenty i have friends plenty of friends who go through the same lonely journey carving their own path uh in the creative arts that i think would benefit massively from like a studio uh a community where they could be a part of so that's like that would be the the, uh, the the dream long term is you can like basically selfishly i get to combine like all of my <laughs> yeah all of my my interests into one place physical place where like yeah. Wow, I'd be so so curious, like the sort of uh, magic and the intersections and yeah. interactions exactly. that could happen. Imagine the exa- imagine the magic. Yeah. That'd imagine the magic. <laughs> imagine <laughs> the magic. Cool. Yeah. So cool, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, uh, it was you. super fun to have you on. Um, but yeah, always always uh, love hearing about the the journey and paths others have to share. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It. exactly. Well, thank you so much for having me. And. Um, yeah, this is we we talked about this. This is a in progress episode, right? Because yes. both of us are in progress at the moment uh, <laughs> with our businesses, and I'm I'm sure you know, in the arc of the story, right? We're kind of we're we're in the middle. We're in that yeah. we're in that we're in the jungle right now. So we're in the we're in the tough part. Finding product market fit, <laughs> that shit's hard, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, we'll come back when we when we've emerged. Yeah, we'll either be trillionaires or broke. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> See you guys later. Take care. <laughs> Be infinite, my friends.